Hey, it's Nelly. And it's Juno. And you're listening to Two Addies and Coffee, Please, where we share unfiltered life experiences as young, badass Asian American women with ADHD. Welcome to another episode of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please. I'm slightly nervous because we didn't record in a while, but I'm excited. Yes, a lot has changed in these past months that we haven't been recording. We took a little leave and now we're back. But why did we go on leave in the first place? Because we were fucked and now we're less fucked. (laughs) Okay, so I guess we want to address the elephant in the room. Juno, you can go first. What motivated you to go on leave? Because you went on leave first. Yeah. So around the time we stopped posting on the podcast, I disappeared from the world, sort of. Basically, I was reliving like my worst nightmare at work, not meeting deadlines and things. And I didn't realize that my health was declining until I saw like Nelly's reaction every time we were on a call. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay, I guess I'm not okay. Yeah, I think it was during a call we were having where I decided to just ghost. (laughs) For several reasons from work and I was freaking out. And then that ended up leading to like two weeks of PTO. Uh, My boss encouraged me to take more time off and mentioned something about disability leave. And I was like, what the fuck? Because this was like a really, really cool resource that we have as neurodiverse people that would have saved me a lot of energy and time earlier on. When you were telling me that you were going on disability leave, you were like, oh, do we qualify as like disability leave and like things like that? What kind of changed your mind in terms of deciding like, oh, short term disability leave is for me and Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to cheat the system. This is literally meant for me. Actually, it was several months into leave where I realized that I was not cheating the system. Actually, what made me decide to take the leave was oh my God, I can be productive on our projects and I can work on a startup and I can work on a podcast. And it was not healthy at all. And I was extremely stressed. It was a few weeks of my therapist telling me that this type of leave was built for people like me and you, Nelly. But I think we denied it even while we were on leave until like towards the end. Yeah, there was a lot of denial where I was like, no, this is not for me. Like, this is for other people. Like, do I qualify? I did so much research into what quantifies as like a disability. And it took me a really long time to really accept that label because I feel like there's such a negative connotation. And I feel like society, if you are disabled, it's because society makes it so that it's harder for you to do certain things. But if we constructed a society that was more egalitarian, I feel like this wouldn't be called a disability. It's just different ways of doing things things. Word. It's extremely important to know that just because you're on disability leave doesn't mean that you're not capable of working because you're incompetent with your disabilities. It's there if you're like unhealthy and you need some time to recover. It didn't help that we were both (laughs) talking to each other during this time because we were like, I don't need this. I can push through because we've been pushing through so many difficult times and yeah, necessarily super unfamiliar. So it was difficult to like get over that mentality of like, eh, suffering is life. Let's push through. I think like when I read Simone Biles taking leave or taking time off from competing, I was like, oh my God, yes, if she can take leave, like I most definitely can take leave (laughs) because I'm not doing any like Olympic competition. Okay, yeah, bye. (laughs) Peace out world. And she also has ADHD. Did you know Ah. That's cool. Yeah. So you asked like, why did I take leave? Originally, it was mental health and physical health and productivity. But I recall just now, At the very beginning of the leave, which was like towards the end of my PTO where I was deciding whether I should apply to short disability leave, I had this unpleasant experience at a massage therapist that kind of triggered a bunch of repressed anger that I did not know about. 
And the repressed emotions coming out suddenly combined with like the unhealthy shit just like made it very overwhelming and stressful to continue work. It was just like a huge revelation for me because I think my entire life I was always like, why do people get angry? I'm so confused. I just get annoyed or I'm just like, eh, whatever, let's go inconvenient. But I don't get angry. And that's such bullshit. I had to try so hard not to yell and smash shit. Oh, then I was like, oh my God, wow, people live tough lives. What would have happened if I didn't repress my anger? I'm so lucky. I don't feel this, but it was horrible. It like manifested in other ways, trembling and like, yeah, intense stress and fatigue. I just slept. I realized I just passed out every time I got angry and I woke up and I was like, oh, what happened? I'm fine. Yeah, I think you have the opposite reaction to anger as I do because I just feel angry and then I express it. Even if it's like a tiny bit, I'm like, explode, explode, explode. So I think for me, I have to like limit that. But then for you, I'm like, you gotta show that. You gotta like, I don't know, <laughs> curse a little bit more and be angry. Yeah, I feel like we need to find like a middle ground. But I think it's super awesome that you're able to express that. Even when I try to, I don't know how to. And I just like sit in a corner trying to be civil. My mind just gets white. Like, I don't know what to do. It's just I explode and like nothing processes. Yeah, all I see is red. <laughs> I'm angry for like five minutes. And then the next five minutes, I'm like, chill. I'm like, I can be eating ice cream, I'm like singing. I'm happy. I'm like, whatever. It's done. I let it go. Nice. Okay. Well, anyway, I had a huge, massive, massive tank of anger that I had to do something with. And I was like overwhelming to the point where I was like, okay, I can't just ignore this now because this is fucking hurting me and my body. So I need to process it and take some time. But anyway, yeah, those are my main reasons uncovering all these unpleasant emotions that were toxic and health reasons. How about you? What do you think were your main reasons for taking leave? I think you took leave first and I saw how the similar parallels of your life kind of deteriorating and your body and mind <laughs> deteriorating. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going through the same cycles. Didn't want to get to that point where, well, I was already at that point. What am I saying? I was miserable emotionally, mentally, physically. I wasn't taking care of my body and I felt essentially empty and unhappy and like not myself. I really wanted to take some time off, but I kept saying like, oh, I could do one more week. I could do one more week. There was this one time but there was like a three-day weekend. And for the first time in my, maybe like a year or two years, I felt truly happy and at peace. And then the Tuesday that I had to go back to work, I was like, holy fuck, I can't do this. Like all the negative feelings just rushed back into me. Work is one of the biggest factors that is causing <laughs> my misery. And one of my mentors that I had was telling me, he was like, no job is ever worth your mental health. That just kept playing in my head. And I've been wanting to like take leave or quit for so long. I can't do this. I just submitted. <laughs> And I felt this relief. I was like, oh my God, like this pressure off of my chest. For the first time, I felt like I wasn't dreading to be alive. And I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Existing isn't misery. <laughs> One of the biggest things that I was really worried or stressed about was like the financial part. If my short-term disability doesn't go through, can I survive? And I do think it is some sort of privilege to be able to take time off of work and not worry about whether you're able to feed yourself or pay rent. And I'm really lucky that I had that opportunity to just take care of myself. And I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity, but my friend was like, oh, you might miss out on promotions and income. Like that's a lot of money that you're giving up. I was like, yeah, I was doing calculations. Like, How much am I going to miss out? And then at one point when I was like, what's the fucking point of making more money and getting another promotion? And when this is not even the path I want to go down, like it doesn't really matter anymore. I was on a walk around a park and I was just recalling like this philosophy course that I took in college. And it was the first lesson. That was the only thing I remember. But he was saying how like we are driven by fear or compulsion. And for our final, he was like, you don't have a final. Your final is the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, shit. 
fuck, like, I don't want to be controlled. I want to live with intent. But at the same time, I feel like I was so scared of not quitting and quitting or like this whole job thing that I was so myopic in terms of like how I viewed life just through work. And I couldn't see anything else other than like how miserable I was. And I felt so stuck. But yeah, I just didn't want to watch my life go by and live miserably for the next year just because of this rat race. So yeah, it took me. Wow, I think that really shows how important having this resource is because I remember you wanting to leave and talking about all of this promotions, finance, pros and cons for I think like a year before we found out about disability leave. It was just really difficult. Like there was like so much uncertainty. And it's interesting that you say that you felt happy for the first time on a three-day weekend because I know we had a lot of technically vacations and PTO, but normally in our vacations, I don't think we're actually resting or feel like we deserve to play and we have no work to do. It's really sad that two years of PTO and vacations weren't real. <laughs> I think it's like we're just bred in the society where it's like you need to produce, like you need to be productive. If you're not productive, what are you doing with your life? And it's this mentality that I feel like has consumed parts of my life and my, people I'm surrounded by. And I feel like there's this judgment of like, oh, if you're not using your free time to do something productive or like a side hustle, like what are you really doing? Like you're being lazy. Now I feel like I just want to exist and just be, just live instead of trying to commodify every aspect of my life I remember like writing down in my diary so this is June 3rd 2021 <laughs> and this is the day that I requested leave so I wrote down I am feeling so anxious I don't really know what to do with myself it sort of feels like the whole world is closing in on me and I can't breathe my heart is beating so fast like I just ran a race and I'm sweating like I have a secret to hide my thoughts are so scattered I want to feel the night calm I requested leave yesterday and I felt relief but regret just after fear I'm scared but I know my fears are irrational I want my thoughts to stop controlling my life so basically that was the whole entire intent for why I took leave adding on to what you were saying about uh, not knowing what your existence is without productivity it was oh my god that was you that was hardcore <laughs> me a little bit but you were like productivity equals my self-worth and value and I was like bro and you were like work equals identity and I was like bro yeah. <laughs> it was so difficult for me to process that doing activities and spending time in a way just for the sake of my happiness and joy were important I always felt like guilt associated with that and I remember the first month I was on leave I was so stressed about doing shit for my family blocking me from being productive on my personal projects and I couldn't focus I was stressed all the time and then the next month I think that was when you were also on leave and I was learning web development courses and I was trying to learn how to be productive do these routines and shit and then I think you asked to go on like a bike ride once and we were biking around Roosevelt Island and I was like oh shit why did I not process during like my two three months on leave that I can do this like I can go outside and go on a bike ride it's so pleasant I don't think anything changed when I went on leave like from quarantine I was just a hermit like hard hardcore hermit I think you just started working on other things I don't think you ever stopped working but when I took leave I was like fuck this I'm not gonna work I'm gonna like try to figure out what makes me happy what activities I like what hobbies I have because I feel like for the longest time everything I was doing was for either my resume improving my skills or experience and I was like I just want to exist soak up life and the little things Wait, I think it was when I visited you in SF and we did a bunch of fun stuff. And then when I came back, I was like, oh, yeah, I can live. <laughs> and I started going to different exhibits and like activities, meeting people. And I was like, oh, yeah. But I feel like I needed to be like ripped out of this environment because I just saw these four walls for so long. And I'm so accustomed to just working and feeling guilty if I'm doing anything else. Yeah, it was just really difficult for me to see that without traveling and having fun. I think you really have to take yourself out of the environment. Or I read this quote somewhere like you have to heal in a place that's separate from your environment that you are in because you associate that experience with your like negative environment. 
biggest reason why I left New York because I was like, oh my God, like this is a place where muscle died and I got COVID and I need to like yeet out of here. Oh, we didn't talk about that. You oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I got COVID um, earlier this year in January of 2021. It really, really fucking hit me. I had all of the symptoms. It was really scary. I thought I was going to die and then I did it. And then I had an existential crisis of like, do I want to stare at this spreadsheet for the rest of my life? What do I want to do in life? And that brought me into another spiral. And I was like, I want to take care of myself. This is a wake up call. Like you're kind of revived. So basically, I feel like traveling really rejuvenated my soul. I was reading through diary entries that I had kind of towards the end of my leave. I'm falling in love with myself again. Time slows down to a halt. I catch my breath here. It's a pit stop for broken souls and tattered minds. Oh. And I was like, wow, healing myself. Nice. Oh, that's so good to hear. It's so strange. I feel like if our old selves heard us right now saying like, oh shit, I'm happy. Like the fuck? Are you sure? Yeah. And my mom would be like, why are you smiling? You look stupid. I'm like, oh, I'm happy. <laughs> so after taking leave and now we're back, what are some of the things that you learned about yourself? One of the biggest things is probably that, okay, this sounds so stupid. And I would say this is stupid if I said it a year ago. And it's very obvious, but that I need to protect my needs. I deserve to have like basic needs met and also to pause and take the time to understand what I prefer and want and make the effort to care for myself and entertain myself the way I would for someone I love. Yeah, because I realized like, you know, when we were traveling and we do a bunch of shit, we have like a whole itinerary and it was so fun. Like it was so nice having like morning to evening, you do two, three activities. So cool. And I didn't realize I could do that when I was alone and I would do that for friends. I'll do that for family when my brother also just moved here. But when I was by myself, I was like, oh next two weeks are blank. Ooh, what time blocks of productivity can I put there? It never like occurred to me that, well, it did occur to me, but I didn't think it was worth it for some reason. How did you go about learning these things during leave? Oh yeah, I was struggling. <laughs> I feel like me going to other places, that was like the positive reinforcement. I feel like I learned through lots and lots of negative reinforcement um, at home. And I think just having like my boundaries constantly stressed and realizing that every time I stated that I wanted something or that I was uncomfortable with something and realized that people actually backed off and like listened. And I just felt like a lot more room to breathe and I felt happy it was just like interesting. Do you have any advice on how you can set better boundaries? Because I think for you, you had a hard time setting those boundaries with people who are the closest to you, like your friends and family. And I think a lot of other people struggle with setting those clear, distinct boundaries to protect your own needs and desires. So how did you go about communicating effectively that, hey, don't fucking do this or I need this? Yeah, that was definitely really hard for me because I think I have this like child hero complex or some shit. I knew overall it would be healthier for me and the other person if I did talk about my preferences or told them when I was uncomfortable or slightly inconvenienced by something. And in my head, I was just like, it's okay. I'll just sacrifice it. It's fine. I want them to be happy. And I'd rather them be happy and comfortable and me be slightly inconvenienced. And that's just how like, I kept living through life and thinking it was indifferent. I think it was when I started journaling how I was spending my time and realizing that I was very unhappy with the way I was allocating my time, that the individual decisions did actually matter. Yeah. So me and my younger cousin both have people pleasing tendencies. And it was really apparent that that was pretty broken when we were hanging out together. Both of us didn't communicate when we were both very inconvenienced about something. And I was extremely irritated that I looked like I needed help from her and that I was annoying her. But she also had a misunderstanding thing that was the case for me. So we both looked angry, but we were angry at ourselves. And we didn't know that until the next day when we were talking about stuff. And I was like, Shani, why the fuck were you angry? Can you tell me? Why aren't you telling me? And she was like, wait, what? And then we talked about each other. We we're like, what the fuck? And she was like, yeah, this is wrong. I'm like, yep, this is wrong. Because we talked 
I think, weekly about this high-functioning codependency issue that we have and not stating our preferences and, like, voicing our inconveniences. Yeah, it took several instances of, like, extremely stupid dynamics and shit that made me realize, like, oh, okay, this is broken and inconvenient. It's not that everyone is not a self-sacrificing, amazing person like me. It's just that I'm being stupid and not telling people anything about what I actually need, want, think, feel. Yeah, I think, like, you always ask me, like, every time I have, like, a resting bitch face, you're like, are you mad? Did I do something? Are you mad? And I'm like, what? No. And it's like very confusing. But I think you try to manage other people's feelings. But the only thing that we can do is like manage our own feelings. Then I was like, nah, dude, if I'm like pissed, I'll just tell you. I like it shows on my face. I feel like it's very clear how I feel. And it's like expressive on my face. Wait, I feel like I really appreciate that about you. And I actually feel safer in a lot of instances because of that. Because okay, I have this issue not expressing my needs. But I feel like my whole family is like that. My mom is like that. And my uncle is definitely like that. And my grandparents are also like that. They're either passive aggressive, except the aggression comes out very 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 like rarely which is interesting so the most of the time i just think they're doing nothing so i think we're both like tiptoeing around each other thinking like oh my god are they secretly suffering and not telling me and I'm like, are you suffering well we don't say that but basically we mm. worded that way and they're like no 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 and then later on i'm like oh my fucking god you were suffering and you were sick and you're inconvenient what the fuck why didn't you tell me but then i'll get frustrated and then they'll get frustrated but we also get frustrated quietly because we don't want to inconvenience the other person so it's extremely dysfunctional I also feel like that's a very Asian thing where like you kind of like try to appease other people or, or like hold in your own emotions and you don't like, express that. So I feel like my family is well, like passive aggressive, but they're like <laughs> passive and then aggressive. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so then to compensate, I think like learning those unhealthy like behaviors from a young age, I was like, just aggressive and I realized that this was because when they're passive I know that aggressive is going to pop out somewhere and I don't like that unpredictability so I would get aggressive to trigger the aggressive part mm -hmm. and that's how I can, can have some sort of control and I realized this through therapy and I'm like god motherfucking damn it so I feel like everything that's unhealthy is like rooted in some sort of behavior in childhood and like now you have to unlearn all of those things which brings okay. me well, I'm restarted therapy. Ooh. Mm -hmm. What do you think was like the most valuable thing you learned in therapy? So some background, I restarted therapy or I'm going to say I started therapy because like the other time it was only for a month because it was so damn fucking expensive. I was paying like this equivalent of rent for four times a month. And I was like, this is insane. I didn't do therapy anymore. So I started October or September and I was seeing my therapist like weekly and I realized it has done tremendous help for me to have someone who is a professional to be able to identify like your cognitive distortions and what things you're thinking is like irrational and I think it's good to have a sounding board but also have someone who is a professional to like help guide you and that was really helpful and then another thing that I started was medication for my anxiety and I feel like there's still so much more stigma and I feel like I still had to kind of address my own internalized biases against like medication because I was like I don't need that I tried everything else and I was like it's not working and I can say like now that I am on Lexapro I've never been happier this is like the happiest I've ever been in my life and I don't care what other people think I am happy and if this works for some people then go and get your fucking meds like it doesn't matter and I think it did take me like a lot of resistance before I tried it um, because I was afraid of all the different negative side effects and I was like oh my god but you know it works for me and what else did I learn I think one thing is like 
creating rules for myself. One important thing that my therapist said was like, if you have ADHD, it's not something that you can kind of fix with a pill or whatever, and then not think about anymore. It's like restructuring how you think and how you live because your whole entire life, you've been structured to live and think in a neurotypical world and type of way, but everything that you've been taught doesn't work for you. So now you have to figure out what works for you. And I was like, oh, fun, like, great. So I think having a structure for myself is really important and then keeping myself accountable. When I was talking to my therapist, I was like, oh, I can just pull an all-nighter and like do this work later. And she was like, no, you don't have 24 hours in a day. And I had to repeat this. Like we had a one hour session where I was just repeating, I don't have 24 hours in a day because I had to sleep. I have to like take care of myself. And that's non-negotiable because you're always giving something else up if you're not sleeping or eating or taking care of yourself. Um, so I really took that into heart and I started sleeping eight hours a day. I started eating healthier and now I work out three times a week. And that really does help me like give me my dopamine and serotonin. Like, oh, I'm awake. Um, so I was like, yeah, I need to take care of my physical health. Um, and then also like touching a little bit about boundaries with what you said. I think I also have a lot of trouble communicating my boundaries. And I think living at home for such a long time, it kind of draws you back into those kind of unhealthy habits. And that's one of the biggest reasons I needed to move out. So now moving to San Francisco, I feel like I have control over my own space now. And I can set up my day the way I want it to. The little things that used to bother me at home, like the lighting, something small, but it really affected how I work. And it's really hard to communicate that to like people I was living with. Not everyone is going to understand how your brain works. And it's up to you to kind of advocate for that. So I really do take care of my boundaries now. And I'm like, oh, if I'm bored, I need to be stimulated. And if I don't like this conversation, I need to leave. Yeah, so those are the main key takeaways. Nice. One thing you were mentioning were meds and how that was very different for you. One breakthrough I definitely had during leave was like being able to like finally sit down and start working on whatever I wanted to work on. This was like my biggest issue for so many fucking years. And I thought never in my life I'd ever be able to do that. But once I was sleeping and taking care of myself reasonably well, taking Wellbutrin and mood stabilizers, and even without Adderall, sometimes I was able to work for the first time. And I think that just gave me so much confidence and belief that like helped me. And what was helpful for me in therapy and this leave in general was like undoing a lot of shame and talking to my therapist was really helpful because while I was talking about my day and struggles, he would catch me every time I'm attaching a specific situation or struggle I have to like my character flaws or issues that are not fixable for me. Um, so being able to like externalize that shit and talk about it objectively without having so much negativity associated with it was helpful. Also talking about boundaries making fewer excuses for other people and like reasons to set boundaries. It just helped me say no more concisely. Yeah, I feel like you have this tendency to over justify why people do certain things. And I'm just like, yeah, they were just shitty. And you're like, no, but you can see from their perspective, this and that. And I'm like, fuck them. I feel like that's how I was wired, like growing up where I have to like, no matter what happened, whatever boundaries or stress, I didn't care. I was like, let me understand you and help you. And then it got calm. I think I have a lot of trouble just like not doing something. Even right now, I have like a couple things in my head where I have to do this. I should probably do that one. I know logically, rationally, the best thing to do for both people is to do nothing. Yeah, but I'm working on that. Nice. And one thing I'm really proud of is that I'm able to identify my emotions now. 
which is big for me, I think, because when people ask me how I'm feeling, I didn't know what I was feeling besides like bored or excited or irritated. But I didn't really know how to identify emotions like missing someone or longing for something or being angry or disappointed or whatever. And I think slowing everything down, not being stressed about work and being able to like pay attention to myself more really helped me acknowledge my emotions and also process them. And be honest with myself and people. Oh yeah, that's another thing I worked on in therapy. I thought I was some like deceptive, horrible person that constructed my entire life or whatever. I realized that's not true. I'm just really unaware of a lot of my emotions. So when other people ask me, I'm not actually saying any of the like negative shit going on in my head or things I'm struggling with. Definitely the first step to like anything was just Mm self-awareness and admitting things that I did not want to admit probably. (laughs) I'm like nodding my head rigorously because I feel like because I've known you for a really long time, I think it's hard for you to be honest with yourself and then like consequently with me because if you're deceiving yourself and then you're being honest with me about your deception, technically you are being honest with me. So it was really hard for me to like help you or support you as a friend, but also because we're working together on this podcast, it was also like a coworker like relationship. And I think that that did put some strain on our relationship. And I was like, bro, Juno, like you can't do this. Like, what are you talking about? And it made it like hard for me to rely on you. And then I was Mm. like, I guess I was like really torn because on one hand, you are working with someone and this is like not professional and you're like upset. And how do I communicate this without like, I don't know. I think it's like a sensitive area to like dance around. And I think a lot of people don't work with people who they know for that specific reason. I feel like effective communication is very important because I think a lot of people just like, I'm not going to talk about it and just brush it under and then it explodes. But then I feel like every time something is slightly disrupting me, I'm like, let me bring this up. Yeah. I feel like I bring things up, but it's in like a let's work together on this and discussion. And I think the fact that you like said things very bluntly to me, my sensitive heart, I was like, oh shit, what? Because, okay, I am already avoidant to all my negative emotions. That's why I don't think about shit because I fall asleep. It's too tiring. It's like exhausting. I feel like I'm opening this door to like, it's not worth this tiny conversation to open that door. It doesn't matter what you actually intend. To me, if it sounds like you're accusing me of something or whatever, I'm gonna be like, okay, shit, I'm gonna run away from that door even more. And I don't even know that I'm doing that. It's just my mind goes blank. And I'm like, what's happening? Interesting. Because like you shut down and you like run away from it and your mind goes blank. But for me, I feel like, my brain works faster and I get more energy and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Hit me with the next one. I got it. I feel like that debate type of thing really mm-hmm. like energizes me. But I feel like because we're different in that respect, you're just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, why are you not responding? And I'm like, oh, okay, she doesn't care. But then you're just like, I'm so tired. Looking like I don't care. <laughs> if I think about something more thoroughly, then it is easier for me to talk about it and I can reason and like whatever. But I think there's the fact that I was so not willing to go inside my own head. There were so many times in those conversations, I was like, this is not right. Why? They don't deserve to be waiting for me to think about this right now. This is due to me not wanting to think about that. So I'm just going to respond for now. Now I realize that I'm just going to pause and say, I'll get back to you to tune into how I'm feeling and why I feel a certain way instead of just like automatically responding as fast as possible to appease everyone. And I learned that I have to chill out and then think and then speak instead of just because I feel like people just don't respond well to that. I think it is really helpful listening to each person's complete argument first and then talking about it. There's going to be misunderstandings. That's the reason why you probably have an argument. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like a built off of like incorrect assumptions that you or I have kind of accepted as truth or facts. 
and everything else is built on that. But I feel like once you just have like the benefit of doubt and then like everyone has good intentions and then you start from that basis and you discuss everything else, I think that works out a lot better because I feel like everything that we were arguing about was because of the assumptions that were incorrect. And I feel mm-hmm. like once we started that out, it was a lot better to navigate everything else. Mm. Yeah. It also helps if you're not miserable and stressed from work. <laughs> That's true. You know, everything is like work stressed us out. We're miserable. But I feel like if you're just not miserable, you're like logical and you're not like, fuck you. Ah, I'm angry. You're like, oh, this happened. Oh, okay. It's fine because XYZ, this is probably like a wrong assumption. And then I could just ask them. But then I think when you're in a stressed mental state, everything is viewed from that perspective. Mm. Oh my God, you got a new job. That's a big thing. Yeah, I think I was worried about work and that's why I didn't want to take leave because of the money part. But then coincidentally, I got a new job and I'm like much happier now. But I feel like I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity if I had stayed at my previous job. And I'm like, this is what I'm worth. But I actually like interviewed and then I didn't get the job because they weren't hiring and I was so fucking sad. And then they were like, oops, we have another job opening. And then I interviewed some more and then I got the job. So it was like a kind of like a roller coaster ride. Hey, yeah, yeah you finally got the job that you won after a couple of years. <laughs> I know, but I think it was like very stressful because I really do think that if I stayed at my previous job and I didn't take leave and I wasn't in the mindset to like do all these interviews because I was not in a clear headspace. And sometimes, yeah, you have to take a few steps backwards to like move forward. I do believe that now because before I was like, no, I just need to keep moving forward. Like Mm -hmm. this is a failure. If I take time off, I'm missing a promotion. I'm getting less money. Like I was very attached to what I was going to lose instead of what I could gain by like taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that struggle. I feel I really learned what my worth was. And I was like, yeah, I do believe that I'm worth this much and more and like I deserve better and I don't want to settle but I think sometimes like the corporate workplace just beats you down man and you just get so disheartened and you're like this is what I deserve but now it's like fuck that no I deserve a lot better and I think having people around you like mentors friends people who really do believe in you is like was really crucial for me to not sink into this little hole of self-despair everyone's just like in their own head and everything's so twisted and it's hard to like undo that and I feel like because we talked to each other for so long even during like those really negative times and while we were struggling I feel like we're echoing each other's like warped thoughts yeah I think it's good for both of us to have multiple many different friends yeah because I think we are both in like a very stressed state of mind so it's like intense imposter syndrome and we're both like oh we didn't try hard enough let's pull an all-nighter together and then I was like wait what the fuck why are we doing this that's insane Yeah, I think it's really helpful to have people who are like, got their head screwed on straight, you know, and help keep you grounded. Nelly, you travel to a lot of different places. And I remember having a lot of conversations with you about like meeting new people, socializing, not being a hermit. Yes. Okay. So starting from my three month leave, I travel to, where did I travel to? I went to San Francisco, L.A., Portland, Austin, Boston, Wisconsin, Chicago. And I think with each like travel, I felt a lot more relaxed because I feel like when you go to a different city or a new country, 
you're kind of assimilating into the culture that they already have. So when I was in Portland, they were like super hippy dippy. And I just felt like naturally more relaxed um, and kind of getting accustomed to the vibe of that city and just discovering new things. And I realized like, I feel like with the ADHD, I was being so understimulated that I was getting like bored and depressed. So like, I think it's like a cycle of like me getting a little bored that driving my anxiety. And then once I get super anxious, then I get depressed. So really getting out and discovering new things helped me not feel like a shit all the time. And then I think in each one of those cities, I realized that I really don't think the nine to five life fits what I want. But I think I was trying to fit myself into like this corporate rat race type vibe for the longest time. And I'm like, that's not what I want. And I just want to be on the road. Um, that helps me concentrate actually and helps me focus. And I got more comfortable with not having everything planned and just going with the flow and also just like soaking things in and just existing and not necessarily trying to be productive. And I think that helped me slow down. Um, yeah, I think overall I had a really great time just traveling to different places. And I think also I met so many different types of people that I normally would not have met. And I made friends with people who aren't necessarily in the same circle of people that I know. For the longest time, I was trying to like meet different people who were in this pre-professional yappy bubble of tech and finance. And I realized I have these biases because of how I was raised or like the people I surround myself by. And I think when you give people a chance to really get to know them, like they do surprise you. I learned like, oh, I need to keep an open mind. And also that even though you meet so many different people, you're not going to vibe with every single person and that's okay. And doesn't say anything about you or them. It's just like, you're different and that's fine. And if you don't vibe, then you don't vibe. And yeah, not forcing things to be. And I think for like how I decided where I wanted to go, Honestly, I was watching New Girl. It's like one of my favorite shows. <laughs> and then Jess is from Portland. I was like, she seems so happy and cheerful. I'm going to be like Jess. And I'm like, let me go to Portland. Did it work? It did. It's so quirky. I went to this farmer's market thing and there was this gigantic blueberry. Well, woman dressed in a gigantic blueberry and she was handing out like blueberry <laughs> stickers and she was just so friendly and nice. And I feel like when you are surrounded by people who are just exuding that energy you also absorb it I just sat on the grass just soaking in like I don't know the blueberries vibes and I like got some blueberries and some kombucha just vibing I was also like in Beaverton which is kind of like a different city slash town outside of Portland I stayed in this Airbnb that was surrounded by this forest and I like felt so calm like time stood still and I could just listen to the wind and the wind chimes and like there was like this really cute dog that I would play with and I realized that I could focus a lot better and within like three hours I read two books it usually takes me so long to read and for the first time I felt like my mind was inside my body inside the environment at the same time like things weren't floating around I was like present and I felt everything in my brain, mental, emotional, like aligned. And I was like, cool, I'm reset. Hey, everyone, we'd love to connect and hear from you. DM us on Instagram at two addies with feedback or what you'd like us to talk about next. Hearing your stories and sweet comments really makes our day and motivates us to keep creating content. So thank you for all the support. 
I think taking leave was really important in terms of stepping away from the previous negative mindset that I had in terms of my relationship with work. In our culture, a lot of productivity is equated to how you value yourself and your self-worth, your confidence, self-esteem. I think before I view taking a break as a failure that I'm giving up and I'm admitting defeat. Um, But I feel like now my perspective has shifted a lot that I'm not giving up because I am taking a break. Um, I think especially with having ADHD, we start a lot of projects and then we end up not finishing it and we get really excited and we tell everyone and I felt a lot of shame and avoided (laughs) these feelings when people would say like, oh, Nelly, you started this thing, but you didn't finish. They would ask me about projects and I would always feel really shitty about myself. Now my perspective is that Yes, I do want to do all those things. Those are still true, but it doesn't need to happen all at once. I think with like ADHD, it's a a lot of like a now or never mindset, but working with my therapist, she mentioned like, that's amazing that you're doing all these things, but know that you don't need to do it all at once. And she said, why do you need to do it before you're this age? Or why do you need to do it right now? And I feel like I put all these arbitrary timelines for when I'm supposed to complete something, but no one is telling you that you're a shitty person if you don't finish it by the end of this year or like next year or by the time you're this age or before you're 30. And I feel like I was the only one telling myself this, taking a pause, but knowing that this isn't forever. Like I still have a lot of time in my life and I'm not just going to not do it. So now I'm just like, okay, I I need to take care of my physical mental health. And once I am kind of better and in a good place, I will continue working on this project. And what people assume about me doesn't affect how I view myself anymore. I also relate to what you were saying. I always believed that for me to succeed and be happy at work, all I had to do was be competent and execute perfectly. And anything that was preventing me from succeeding at work were my own flaws and inability to get things done or do things the right way. I think one of the biggest changes in my view and relationship with work was realizing that it's not a solo thing. I have a lot of trouble presenting anything that isn't thought out and I know for sure is perfect because I always assume that when other people see that, they will think that that is the best I can do. And if that isn't great, then I must not be that great. But if they already hired me and they've seen the work I did, I should feel safe knowing that I know how to do the job. But I think for some reason, I have such like strong roots of shame that prevent me from seeing myself as competent, which was really trippy for me because when I look back at my journal, I was saying like really ridiculous shit. Like I learned slower than a lot of people and that two days for someone else to do research and learn stuff was way too little and overwhelming for me. And Mm -hmm. that's just extremely incorrect. That is the strength that a lot of people at all my jobs said I had. When I got the review finally from the subject matter expert that was supposed to look at my course, I was expecting him to be like all wrong and a horrible news after two months. But basically the review was really good. And I ran into living rooms yelling that I wasn't a failure. And my mom was like, oh my God. That's a warped limiting belief. Very limiting. I think it's easy for me to take criticism or feedback on a very specific thing in my work and not directly attach it to an issue or incompetence that I need to fix versus just fixing the fucking detail in the work. I think it's helpful to think that like every great artist or writer or performer or anyone who is creative has created something really shitty and ugly because you have to create bad shit to get good at creating good shit. So I feel like even though something is disgusting or you're like oh fuck 
at least you did something because that's a lot of things that other people wouldn't never do because that's like the fear of failure. So I think that prevents other people from executing or doing anything. And the fact that you can create something shitty, you're doing a lot better than like 99% of people out there because they're so afraid of rejection or failure or like, oh, I created something bad. But I feel like if you turn your mindset of like, oh my God, the shitty thing I created. I'm like, oh my God, the shitty thing I created. I'm going to create that <laughs> shitty thing instead of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I think that if I just do more, it's less frightening for me. That's actually the only way I overcame this. I think before in like a live run through of something, I presented something, there were flaws. I freaked the fuck out, but then I fixed everything mm -hmm. that night. The next day it impressed everyone and they were like, oh my God, such quick turnaround. And I was like, yay. And I felt good. And I was like, oh, okay. Perfecting the first presentation of what you show isn't the only way to show your competence. Oh, I think another thing that helped me overcome this shame was admitting I even felt it in the first place, which was crazy because when I look back on my journal, I never wrote about this, like ever. I didn't even want to admit it to myself. And if I felt shitty, I just kept working. I didn't want to think about it. And I think I got a lot better at being able to like tolerate uncomfortable emotions. Um, how about you, Nelly? What brings you back here? And how did you know you were ready? Um, when I am choosing to do something, not because I'm supposed to do it, but because I actually want to do it and it makes me happy. So initially, like all the things that I wanted to do, like the side projects and working on this podcast and everything, it's something that I really wanted to do and brought me joy. But once you start caring about like the numbers and like you used to get emails like, oh, you're on this chart. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, we have to <laughs> do more and produce more and like we have to release everything in this way. And when you start measuring yourself and comparing yourself what this ideal of what you should do or supposed to be, and you're not meeting those benchmarks that you've set for yourself, then it makes you feel really shitty. I was telling Juno, like, we need to do this. We need to do that. We aren't doing this enough and pushing ourselves to do more and more, not because we wanted to, like, we do want to, but at the same time, the biggest motivator is like, oh, I'm supposed to do this because we need to have these numbers and et cetera, et cetera. But now after taking such an extended leave, I feel like, oh, I'm like ready to talk about this. This is like a really interesting thing that I want to share and my insights and opinions. And that brings me joy. And I feel like I really Marie Kondo'd all the shitty things I don't like about my life and brought back in the things that really do make me happy. And I think it's like the small things that I've reincorporated into my life because when I took leave, I was just like petrified of doing work and I didn't want to touch anything. So like kind of the opposite of you, Juno, you were like, I want to be productive and keep being productive. I was like, no one fucking tell me to do anything. I'm not doing shit no more. <laughs> um, and so when I started my new job and everything, I was actually really scared of doing work. But I think it was like a really good onboarding and like smooth process. And I wasn't overworked and burnt out. And I really appreciated that because compared to my previous experience, it was like, here's a shit little things that you need to do. Now it's like, oh, are you feeling okay, blah, 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 because when you like value your mental health, um, I think that helped me resolve the cloudiness and pessimism. I viewed the world in such a negative, pessimistic view, like, I hate this, fuck corporate America, fuck capitalism, fuck everything. Like, why are we here? I'm just a cog in the machine. But now I'm like, I'm happy. I like working. Still don't like the society, but like, I'm dealing with them, tolerating it. And every other aspect of my life is a lot more healthy. And 
you just see things for what it is instead of the warped sense of the world that I used to have. And when you're in there, it's really hard to drag yourself out. I think that's one of the biggest reasons therapy is super helpful because it gives you a reality check instead of you just being your own head all the time. And now when I meet other people and like friends that I haven't seen in a long time, they do notice like this big shift, like a whole paradigm shift, a oh, Nelly, you seem so much more relaxed. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, the stick up my ass has been unplugged. <laughs> um, and I think like when I talk to you, Juno, I feel like your soul has re-entered your body. So before <laughs> I felt like, you know, like, I don't know, like, like movies where they like, you get punched and you're like, everything like leaves your body. I feel like now when I talk to you, your spirit has entered and you're like, there's somebody home now. You know what's funny though? Apparently in March, which was right before leave, I wrote down in my journal that you told me that I was alive then. Because before that, I think I was even worse. It was like total. Oh, yeah. I think you association. Many, many stages of like being dead and alive. Here's to another year of self-improvement, personal growth, <laughs> being happy. Stay tuned. Stuff is coming. <laughs> With new and improved, happier to Addies. Thanks for listening to another episode of Two Addies and a Coffee, please.